Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you'll enjoy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, as I, we were preparing this week and just praying, and well, I just had such a deep, deep sense in my heart of, of course, you know, we had such a mighty move of the Holy Spirit here last Sunday, and God's been doing so many great things, and, but I just had such a deep, deep sense in my heart and, that there were going to be people gathered in here today that had been... Uh, crying out in so many different areas of their lives and that God had ordained today as a time when they were going to have an encounter with Him that would revolutionize the rest of their lives from this day forward, whether it's in, in, in their bodies or in their spirit, in their hearts, Whatever area they, they are dealing with, I just had such a deep sense. And I just began to pray and say, God, I thank you that you are gathering people in this house today. And uh, you're going to move mightily in their hearts and in their lives. And uh, it's just going to be life-changing. And so when we met yesterday, picked up our precious couple here at the airport. We were able to spend yesterday afternoon some time with them and get to know them. And I told them, I said, you guys just flow with, I said, Audrey, you flow with the Holy Spirit. You do whatever God tells you to do, whenever he tells you to do it, however he tells you to do it. You just go for it. But I know this, God has something to do in each and every heart and life that's gathered in this house today. And so I'm just so grateful for you being here today. And let me remind you again tonight come back. Uh, the doors are open at 530. We'll gather here. Bring some folks that maybe are gathered in other churches today that are hungry for God. Bring them with you. Invite them out. We'll have a little shorter acoustic set of worship tonight, and we'll turn Audrey loose really soon. But today, I just want you to be open. Listen, here's what I'm praying. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the move of the Holy Spirit that's already happened here. We have such a deep sense in our heart eternity eternity is is working right now and father there's a connection to eternity that is flowing in the power of the holy spirit and so for every heart and life that's in here i thank you father lord i thank you for supernatural healings thank you for deliverance thank you for bondages being broken thank you god that people who came in feeling hopeless they're not going to leave here feeling hopeless. They're going to leave here filled with faith and hope and love and abounding. Oh, mighty King of glory, thank you for every heart and life who's going to be touched and changed. And thank you for the tsunami, the wave of your spirit that literally is surging through this house today. We open ourselves, Father, to hear your voice. Speak to us. Oh, God, right where we need to be spoken to. And we thank you now for Audrey. We thank you for the anointing that is on her life. We thank you for who she is. We open our hearts to receive from her now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. One more thing before we move on into this part of the service. You know, we're believing for breakthrough for you today. But here's the thing. 
Breakthrough always requires follow-through. Stop by her table after the service is over, and whatever God does for you and in you this Sunday, nurture it. Allow it to grow and learn and continue to feed. So I encourage you to stop by our table. She's got some great stuff out there, and we're excited to be able to share it with you. But if you would join me right now in welcoming to our platform today here at Life Church of Mobile and those watching, we got people watching in, in, in the European nations. We got people watching all over the world today. Thank you for joining us, precious family of God. I pray that you will experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's here in this house wherever you are right now, whether it's in a hospital room, whether it's at home, whether you're out of town, whether you're anywhere you are in the world, in Jesus' name, that you experience the presence of God in great power and glory as you watch. But would you join me in welcoming to our platform today, Audrey Mack. Stand and give her a well-mobile welcome. God bless you. You may be seated. Could you join me in giving Jesus even a great hallelujah applause? Jesus! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Jesus! We love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are, what you did, and what you want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I always tell people, I, I didn't die for you. Jesus did. Hallelujah. Another truth. Oh, God is so good. But I, I thank you for your warm welcome. Thank you for your warmth, for your love, for your kindness to me. Amen. Um, I don't know, I just met your pastors, I just met, you know, and I just, Fred and I just kind of fell in love with you guys. We just like, we felt just like right at home. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, and the Spirit of God is here. I was telling my brother that this morning, he said, man, I just love the Holy Spirit's coming. I said, the Holy Spirit is not coming, he's not leaving, he's right here. He's found a place right here. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this precious place, this abiding place where you found a home. And I love it because it's in this place there is your spirit is dwells here. And your, your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I thank you for the freedom. For where there is freedom, that's where Holy Spirit can speak, move, do, talk, change, transform, do whatever he wants to do. And so we have an expectation that you want to do something this morning. And this morning is not about me, it's about you. What you want to do. And I do thank you that I also do have that sense of people getting set free, of chains to be broken, yoke to be removed, eyes to be opened, heart to be set free, and awaken to the love of God, awaken to the freedom that we have in Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
kilikichichi kasterede kiestoro, huri yanama ake echele brasto, kidile bravo stodie kaste. It doesn't happen often, but I already knew what I was to speak this morning a few days ago. A week ago, I already knew. And that tells me that God has already something that he wants to do. Because I don't know if you are, I know you know about it, but maybe not everybody, that Jesus is coming back super, super, super soon. I mean, I know people have said, well, people, my great-grandmother said that. My grandmother said that. But the truth of the matter that they said it, but it couldn't happen back then. Because some things had to take place prophetically, geographically, spiritually, and in this world. For Jesus to come back. And if you look at Israel, you know that Israel is kind of like the center. And when you know and you see what's happening in Israel, you have a good idea prophetically what is taking place. And you know that Israel has become a nation. The language of Hebrew was restored. The people were regathered and things are happening at a high and speedy rate that tells me that Jesus is coming back. He's right around, he's at the threshold. But I was reading the last few days, I've been reading in First Thessalonians and I've just been reading and meditating and looking and I saw how Paul even 2,000 years ago, was already talking to the people of Thessalonica and telling them, you know that Jesus is coming back soon. And then one thing he told them, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Bible. I love reading the Passion Bible. But he, he, Paul was talking to them. First he told them, be aware Jesus is coming back. And he was kind of getting their attention. But then he told them, God's will is for you to be set apart and set apart for him in holiness and that you keep yourself unpolluted. And then a few verses later it says, for God's call on our lives is not to a life of compromise or perversion, but to a life surrounded in holiness. And I am so thankful for a place where grace abides. This is a house of grace. But I have learned something also, that it's in that place of grace that you and I have been set apart from darkness, but to the light. We've been 
pulled away from the kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light where you and I are called not just away from darkness but to a purpose, to a destiny, to a kingdom of life, of glory, of holiness and power. God loves us too much. To, to live us down. He wants to take us and elevate us into that place of glory. Because Jesus is coming back for a bride. Glorious. We are called into the glory of God. We are called to express, manifest, exude the glory and the power of God. Every one of us. We are called into that place of separation from the world where we remove ourselves from pollution and express, demonstrate, show the holiness of God. And I love in Hebrew, he, he tells us that with that to seek peace and holiness with that which no one can see the Lord. For so long we've been taught, well, if you've got a little sin in your life, God will turn his back and refuse to talk to you. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that when you and I don't walk in love, when we don't walk and separate it into that place of holiness, people around us cannot see God. Because the only way they'll see God is through you and I. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. But the problem we've been set apart, away from darkness for you and I now to manifest the glory of God, to show the holiness of God. But you know, when we talk about holiness, here is the thing is sometimes we see God is holy, but we see ourselves kind of defective. And we have, there is the big lie. The big lie that you and I cannot live a life of holiness without sin. How many of you have heard, well, we all sin. We all do it. No, 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 no. Jesus walked a life without sin. And I'm here to tell you today that you and I can live in the same way a life without sin. I lost a few claps here. <laughs> you know, yesterday I was talking to pa Pastor Scotty and Susan, and I was talking about how I go to India, and I went into the brothels and ministered to the prostitutes, and, 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 and I met the couple that has labored for 10 years into the hardest, darkest brothel of India, in Calcutta, and for 10 years, they did not see one convert. But then finally, after 10 years, one woman gave her heart to Jesus, and they were able to help her and take her out of that world and give her a new beginning. And then from there, that young woman had in her heart to go back into the brothel, and from there, when the others saw that one was able to be free. That one was able to change. That one, all of a sudden, they started to give their life to Jesus. It's the same thing in the spirit. If we believe we cannot walk 
with that sin. We all do it. We all we have that expectation that yeah, we're gonna sin. Remember in first John, the apostle John, whom Jesus loved, he didn't say when you sin, just ask forgiveness and God. No, he said, if you sin. That shows me that you and that I'm preaching to myself also. If we sin, that means that you and I can aspire, expect, and know it's possible to live a life completely free from sin. To live that life of holiness like Jesus lived. To walk in that place of glory and power like Jesus did. Because he said, the same work that you did, that I did, you also shall do also and even greater works. But you see, if we are like those girls in the brothel of Calcutta and we don't even think it's a possibility, we won't expect it. We won't look for it. We won't live it. I'm just going to preach to that sister here. Come on, sister. For too long, we've thought that it's impossible for a human being here on earth to live a life completely free from sin. But look at a verse with me. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 10 and 11. For the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he now lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself, or in other words, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Jesus Christ. We, you and I have to consider ourselves completely dead to sin. But what does that mean? What does it mean to consider, to reckon ourselves, to consider ourselves dead to sin? It means that we stop looking at ourselves in the flesh. It means, listen to me, oh, it means that legally speaking, sin legally has absolutely no legal right to throw you into hell. Legally, sin has no more power over you. It cannot accuse you and throw you into hell because of sin. You are free. Sin has been dealt with. And you and I have to consider ourselves dead to sin. Knowing sin has no more legal. Do you understand when I use the word legal? Juridically, is there a lawyer or a law person here? Juridically, sin has no longer a legal right to accuse you, to condemn you, and throw you into hell. And we've got to know that and consider ourselves 
totally free, totally dead from the power of sin. But it also means that you and I have to stop looking at ourselves, our sin, the sin, the failures, the weaknesses, the inabilities. Look at ourselves in our flesh, in the natural. We've got to count ourselves dead to sin. Hallelujah. Most of the people today, maybe not in this church, nobody in this church, but so many people, when they approach God or when they look at themselves, they see themselves, they know themselves, they consider themselves in their humanity, in their weaknesses, their failures. We could call them their sin. That's what they look. That's what they see. That's how they know and consider themselves. And you know, in Bible language, this is called a sin consciousness. A sin consciousness. But most of us, we see sin consciousness as a friend. We see that as a protection If I dwell, you know, I remember I go to Africa a lot and I was in Uganda and I was teaching on righteousness and I had quite a few people that came to me and said, you know, Audrey, we were taught that when you approach God, you've got to approach in that introspective, looking into everything that you did, didn't do, should have done and and, and, and even ask forgiveness. For the sin you didn't even do. That you didn't know about. That's what I'm talking about. A sin consciousness. And most people see that as a friend. As a protector. As a way to guard and protect yourself from sin. When in reality that sin consciousness is not your friend. It is your enemy. And listen I'm not talking, I'm not talking here about being conscious of a sin. You see the difference? If you make a mistake, all of a sudden, your nature, the you, your spirit will say, "Uh uh-uh, that's not you. You shouldn't have done that. It is not God accusing you. It's your own spirit said, that doesn't fit. It's not your nature. And something on the inside, because Romans 7.22 says that, I delight in the will, the love of God according to the inward man. So your inward man, your spirit doesn't like sin, doesn't like to even do things like that. And when you do, something inside will make you feel like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a sin consciousness where somebody thinks, meditate purposely unto they flesh, they humanity, they failures and weaknesses. Do you understand the difference? And that sin consciousness is our enemy. Because most people think, well, if I think about all the wrong things and I think about the mistakes and I, I think about the weaknesses and the failures and I go before God and 
then I will stop sinning. When in reality, you don't stop sinning by thinking about sin. You will stop sinning when you stop thinking about sin. Why? Because the word of God tells us, Proverbs 23, verse 7. He says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so does he. What you think about is what you end up doing. So if you think and dwell on sin, that's what you'll end up reproducing, doing, without even realizing. Because what you think in your heart, your body will always obey your heart. That's the reason why Jesus set us free from the law. L-A-W. That's why he had to set us free from that law. That code of conduct. Those rules. Those rules number one, two, three, four, five, ten, and three hundred and some. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the law is what brings that consciousness of sin. Listen to that verse. We now have been delivered. You see, when you hear the word deliver, right there it shows you that somebody's in bondage. You don't get delivered from a benefactor. You get delivered from an enemy. You see, we have been delivered. Right there we could preach. Just there. How we've seen the law. I mean, the law is good. The Bible says the law is good. But it's not going to help us to manifest God. It's become. Okay, let's, I'm going to move right along. It says, now we have been delivered from the law. Having died to what we were held by. So that now we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And we're going to talk about tonight how to serve in the newness of the spirit. And we see that Jesus had to set us free from the law because that law is what brought us that sin consciousness. In the next verse, he says, I would not have known sin except through the law. In other words, I knew about sin. I got a consciousness of sin through the law. He said, but sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. What Paul is saying here is through the law, though the law was good, it brought people a sin consciousness. And even though year after year they offered sacrifice, we see in Hebrew it's interesting. Because in Hebrew chapter 10 verse 2 and verse 22, it says that if those sacrifices would have been perfect, it would have been purified them from a sin consciousness. Apparently, sin consciousness was not that good of a friend. And then verse 22, it said it caused that 
sin consciousness, it call it an evil conscience. A conscience or an awareness that is always on sin, on the flesh, on failure, on weaknesses, the Bible calls it an evil conscience. And we see that that Jesus came, he paid for sin so that we can be dead to sin, we can or consider ourselves totally dead to sin by delivering us from that law that brought that sin consciousness. Are you with me this morning? Why? Why did he have to free us from the law to free us from that sin consciousness? Why did he have to free us from that sin consciousness? Because we find in the word that that sin consciousness empowers sin. It gives it life. It gives it power. It gives it dominion over you. Listen to those verses. We just read in verse 7 and 8. Where it says from that law produced in me all manner of evil and de- of evil desires. And I like in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57. It says, for the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. Or you could say, the strength of sin is that sin consciousness. Why? Because remember the law brings sin consciousness. They're like synonym. Law, sin consciousness, the law brings. So you say that sin consciousness is not your friend trying to in look at you under a microscope in kind of introspective in kind of trying to see all the little things in you that could displease God in that kind of mentality that's called a sin consciousness it's called an evil conscience and it will defeat you because it gives at the desire the evil desire the the it gives that sin power in your life it empowers it listen to this that same verse in the complete jewish bible it says sin draws its power from the law so you walk under that law of you shall, you shall not, that sin consciousness of introspection and trying to know yourself according to the flesh, according to the natural, it will empower the sin in your life. And this morning, I am aware that there are some that you've been struggling with something. Something has had power over you, a bad habit. An addiction, something that is torturing you because your heart wants to be for your heart wants to please God. Your heart loves God. Your heart wants to walk in the glory, in the holiness, in the power of God. But you see yourself trapped where the more you feel like you want to stop, the harder it gets. And you feel trapped and bound. And you don't even dare tell anybody. 
You keep it. You keep it in secret because you're like, what are people gonna think? What are people gonna say? And I'm here this morning to say that we can be totally free. And the way to be totally free, free from sin, and walk that life, go to that place of glory, of walking in the holiness of God. Because that is what we've been set free from into. It is possible for us to live totally free from sin. For some of you, that sounds like an utopia. You've been lied to thinking, I know, while we're here on earth, we all have to, we're going to sin here and there. And yes, probably, maybe, but that's not what we are shooting for. You see, we can shoot for the moon and maybe just attain to the stars but oh at least we're shooting for the moon knowing that's attainable it is not a dream and utopia that is our calling as sons of God but this morning I want to talk to you then how to do that this is the how to do it that has been twisted It is the how to do it that's kept people in bondage. It is the how to do it that has kept people bound to that addiction, that bad habit, or that snagging thing. And I would even add, in sickness. Because what I'm about to share is not just concerning sin, bad habits. It's concerning the life of God in and through us. In every aspect, spirit, soul, and body. If we understand that truth that I'm about to share, then it can set you free in every area of your life. So how to be totally live a life free from sin? We saw that the law brings sin consciousness. And... You and I, we saw that that sin consciousness is what caused sin to gain power over us. And that, that keeps us in bondage to that one thing. So in, in, in order to be free from sin, we've got to be free from sin consciousness. And in order to be free from sin consciousness, we've got to be free from the law. Is that agreed? Why do we have to be free from that? Because that sin consciousness gets you into a vicious cycle. A vicious cycle that you don't know how to break. What do I mean by that? The law brings sin consciousness. Sin consciousness empowers sin. Then it, what will happen? It will make you sin. What will make, make you sin? It will give you greater consciousness of sin. When you have a greater consciousness of sin, it will strengthen sin. When it strengthens sin, it will cause you to sin. When you sin, you'll have a greater consciousness of sin. When you have a greater consciousness of sin, it will revive sin. When, uh, do you get the point? You get in that vicious cycle. And so how do you break that vicious cycle? How do you break it? We saw that you do what you think about, right? You do what you focus on. That means you've got to stop 
thinking on sin, right? If you stop thinking a certain way, you'll stop doing a certain thing. We saw as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you stop thinking about some things, you stop doing those things. But how do you stop thinking about that? Because for some of you, it is such a habit. It is such a habit always thinking the same thing. How do you break that thinking machine? You've got to change what you look at. You remember in Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus was talking to the disciple and says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. He was telling them, stop worrying. Stop thinking. How are we going to make it? How are we going to do? How are you going to do it? He says, stop worrying. And what did he tell them to do? Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Jesus was telling them, you will stop that thinking vicious cycle by changing what you look at, what you put your eyes on. Have you ever been driving on the highway and all of a sudden there is a truck that passes by with a big maybe picture or advertisement, something that catches your eye and you drive, you're going, and all of a sudden you look and you look there and what happens? You go where you look. Wherever you put your eyes, that's where you'll go. I mean, here again, if you look at sin, that's where you'll go. So Jesus is telling us to break that vicious cycle of sin consciousness that empowers you, defeats you, and keeps you in sin. You've got to take your eyes, your gaze, and start looking not at your mistakes, not at your failure, at your sin, or even yourself in the flesh. You've got to look at something else. There is a principle there that is so powerful. It's in Genesis chapter 30. That's why you know the media are so powerful. The world of media is such a power phenomenon. Because through the media, you are constantly putting things in front of your eyes. That's the art of a good advertisement agency. They'll get you to buy things, do things by putting certain things in front of your eyes. And we see in the Old Testament, we see in Genesis chapter 30. You remember Jacob fell in love? Amen with Rachel, wanted to marry her. Worked seven years for her. On the day of his wedding, he woke up with Leah next to him. But he was so in love with Rachel, he worked another seven years. After 14 years of hard labor, where he finally says, I'm leaving. And then Laban, who had prospered because of Jacob's blessing on his life, he said, don't go. Work for me another seven years and I will pay you a good salary. You name the price. And so Jacob, who raises animals and and, and said, okay, let's do that. I will tend to your sheep and your lambs and your animals. 
All the animals that are of a one color, whose coat is one color, it's yours, you keep it. But any animal that has a spot, a stripe, or any kind of difference of skin, that will be my payment. Unless you think I'm going to cheat, I'm going to separate, we're going to shift everything, separate the animals of one coat color to the animal who, who have different spots and streaks and, 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 and all of that. He said, we'll separate them and put a big distance between those two. My sons will take care of the animals that have the spots and the stripes on their coat. And I will take care of your flock, Laban. I'll take care of them. And we'll put a long distance, miles between them too, so they won't mix. And what did Jacob do? He built an edge made out of wood with almond trees and all kind of different. And he, he took some sticks and he, he used some, something to make some spots, some stripes to expose the white of the wood and he built that edge. And then what did he do? He put it in front of the trough where the animals go a few times a day to drink. And those animals that were of one color, dark brown or black or light brown, day after day after day in front of their eyes was that edge made out of wood and all they could see as they drink, they saw spots and stripes, spot and stripes. And the Bible says that when they got in heat and when they gave birth to little babies, they reproduced and gave animals that had stripes, speckles, spots on they. Do you see the principle there? You become, you do, you are what you constantly look at. So if what you constantly see is you see yourself in the flesh, in your weaknesses, imperfection, and mistakes, that's what you'll keep on reproducing. And to break that cycle, you've got to change what you look at constantly, what you keep in front of your eyes. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 16 and 17, it says, from now on, repeat after me, from now on, today's a new day. From now on, therefore, we regard no one, say no one, not even myself. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard or we look or we consider thus no more. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, 
the new, what is Paul saying? He says, stop at looking at others and at yourself in the flesh. Know that they are and you are a new creation. And of course we know, if you've been under Pastor Scotty's teaching, you know that we, what does it mean to be a new creation? That it is our spirit that is a new creation. You see, if you look at yourself in the flesh, what do you see? You'll see mistakes. You'll see weaknesses. You'll see failures, probably sooner or later. But if you look at yourself in the spirit, you will see that you are a new creation. Hallelujah. That's why 1 Corinthians 4.17, one of my favorite verse says, so as Jesus is, so are we in this world, in our spirit. And that is what we've got to keep in front of your eyes. Remember, do not worry about anything, but look, look at this new creation. Look at Jesus. Look at who you are in Jesus. And listen to this verse. Second Corinthians three eighteen. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now let me do a little parenthesis. Why did he say with unveiled face? What is he referring to? Yeah, he's referring to Moses who had to put a veil over his face. And most people said, yeah. He put a veil in front of his face because he didn't want to scare people away. Or he didn't want them to see the glory. That's not the reason why he put a veil. Because that glory that, that Moses had, it was a glory that was fading away and because he was didn't want people to see that glory passing away fading away he said I'm gonna cover my face they won't see the glory is gone and they won't lose respect for me but you and I it shows us we have, we come before God with unveiled faces. Why? Because the glory of God for you and I is not fading away. God has called us to a greater glory, to his glory. You remember what Romans 8.30 said? For who he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified whom he justified he glorified the glory of God belongs to you and to me and so we can approach God with unveiled faces knowing that the glory of God belongs to us he says ah beholding but you we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We see so much in that one verse. 
God is telling us, take your eyes off of your flesh, your humanity, uh, your mistakes, failures, and take your and start looking into the mirror of the word because there you will see the glory of the Lord but you come with an unveiled face because what you see in the mirror that's who you are what you see in the mirror is who you really are and the more just like those little lambs looked at the edge of wood with strikes and spots and the more they looked the more they reproduce and gave birth to that the more you look into the glory of God of Jesus who he is what he did and you look at his image in the word the more you know whoa it's a mirror when I look at him when I look at his image, when I look at his nature, when I look at his glory, when I look at his nature, when I look at his power, there is a reflection. That's who I'm looking. It's me. That, wow, that's me. You're looking at yourself. And the more you look at that, the more you behold, as in a mirror, the image of Jesus in the word. And the more you keep that in front of your eyes, because the more you keep that, the more... Sooner or later, it will sink in that that's you. That is who you are. You are not what you see in the flesh. You are not the mistake and the weaknesses. You are like Jesus. That's the same glory. This morning, you see, you and I, we can either have a sin consciousness or a self-consciousness, or a son-consciousness. And when you look, you see, I was thinking and meditating, and the Lord showed me, said, you notice a few days ago, there was a full moon. And he said, the full moon, what is it? It is the moon that all of a sudden is in perfect alignment with the sun. And when that moon is in perfect alignment with the sun, all of a sudden, there is such a light, such a glory and a light that reflects upon the moon that right here on earth, there is light. I mean, I remember a few days ago, I had to get, I get up sometimes super early and I saw the moon. And you see, the moon has no light in itself. The moon is made out of dust, dirt. But when it's in alignment with the sun, all of a sudden it starts reflecting. It looks straight at the sun. It starts giving out, putting out such a light that it lights everything. Can I suggest to you that when you and I, we reflect at Jesus who is the sun. And we are in alignment with who he is. We see him beholding him as in a mirror. And we see that glory all of a sudden. We see him. We see ourselves. And we start reflecting that light. Reflecting that glory. Reflecting that holiness. Reflecting that power. And listen to me. It is not by us trying so hard not to sin. We are dead to sin. We forget sin. We don't even know it's there. We focused on Jesus. 
He's the author and the finisher. We look at him, at his glory, at his will. That's why I'm so pleased and so excited. This church, the way you worship God. Let me tell you something. I go to a lot of places. And so many times I see a phenomenon. In, and they call it praise and worship. Where during the praise and worship, we talk about everything except Jesus. We worship everything and talk about everything except God. That's not worship. Now let me say something. There are a lot of good songs out there. And one day the Lord spoke to me because I was kind of having a bad attitude. Saying, Lord, this is not worship. They just keep on talking about me, my, dee, 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 my, me, oh, jai, I, you. I said, that's not worship in its essence is magnifying God. Yeah. Worship in its essence is talking to God and about God and lifting him up. And I was having a bad like, no, 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 they're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about themselves and that's it. How can we feel the presence of God if we, all we do is talk about ourselves? And then the Lord spoke to me, said, he said, Audrey, it's okay. It's not bad. These are not bad songs. He said, they're not worship songs. They are songs of dedication. They are prayers of dedication. It's okay to pray a prayer of dedication when you are with God, pouring your heart, talking to him. But while we are here gathering in one place to gather to worship God, wouldn't it be a good idea to talk about God and to God and magnify him? And I saw that in this place. I was looking at all the songs, and all the songs were about Jesus, his name, his power, his holiness. And you see what Pater, Pastor Scotty and his son, I don't know his name, Matthew, what they were doing, they were getting you to take your eyes off of yourself to put on onto God. Because when you put your eyes onto God, you lose that sin consciousness. You get that sun consciousness. You look at the glory as in a mirror, that unfading glory, and you are being transformed into the same image. It is looking at you, Jesus, looking at him, that we become transformed. You will not overcome the sin by keeping on looking at it, wishing it would go away, talking about it, and looking, you will be overcome by that sin. That Remember, that sin will draw its power from that sin consciousness. But you will overcome that sin when you take your eyes off of the sin. Put it onto Jesus of who he is, what he did for you. Let me go one step further. You're a cheerleader, sister, aren't you? I like it. Come on. Because, you see, even when you hear that, it's easy to start getting into works. 
what I have to do. No, 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 no. It's effortless. We just look, worship God, forget about ourselves, forget about the weaknesses, and just forget that you are dead to sin. Consider yourself dead to sin. It's no longer an issue. It's been paid for. It's been overcome. It has no legal right over your life, your destiny, and your eternity. No more. But you are not to do that by yourself. Remember when I read in Romans chapter 7, he said, we have been delivered from the law that we may serve now in the newness of the spirit. You see, we are in a new covenant where sin has been dealt with. We consider it dead, but now we are in a relationship with Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean that now we ignore, like if we do something wrong, that we pretend we never did it. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. We are freed. We stop dwelling, thinking about sin, but we walk with the Holy Spirit and we trust Him that if we do something that needs to be corrected, if we need to be corrected, changed, He shows us, He talks to us, He moves upon our heart. You remember the verse in Philippians 2? I brought so much controversy because he says, work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. Here it's not talking about the salvation of your spirit. That's dealt with. The word salvation, it should have been sanctification. And sanctification of our soul and our body is a process. But here it says you work out your own sanctification with, I would say, honor and reverence. And a healthy kind of fear of God. For it is God, He. It is God, He, not you. It is God, He, who will work in you. Both to will and to do. Both to will and to do. What does it mean? It means that you focus on Jesus. You look on Jesus, who he is, at the word, his nature, his acts, his will. Who, you, your eyes are all on him. And as you walk, the Holy Spirit will sometime, as you read the word, all of a sudden give you a desire. You shouldn't do that anymore. Or should you do that? Or you better stop that. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he gives you that desire and he gives you the power. The, it's called grace. That divine ability to do what you cannot do in your own. That's the reason why it is futile. It's even actually wrong to go to somebody and say, Brother, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. Quit it. If there is not in his heart, what we should do is maybe show him the word. Or maybe counsel him with grace. But pray for him. Give him a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let him see who he really is. What you've called him to. Let him show his value. Let him show him his value, his power. 
power, the glory that belongs to him. Because when we force it on somebody, there is no grace. There is no power to do it. It is the Holy Spirit that will cause you to desire, to will, and then to do it. Here is another verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. I love it. I read that verse I don't know how many times. And I read it and I heard something else than what it really says. And a few days ago, I read it and all of a sudden, pow. I'm like, I read it for, and I would read that word and it would kind of bother me because I was like, but God, we are in grace. Why? But let me show you what I'm talking about. In Romans chapter 8, verse 13 and 14, it says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Do you know how I first heard it when I read it? I would hear, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you will live. And if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. That's what I would hear. If I want to live by the Spirit, I have to put to death the deeds of the body. All the weight was on me. But that's not what it says. I saw it the other day and the light went on. And it's all about a little punctuation. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In another word, it is by the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Not by your own doing, by your own power, by your own no. It is by, did you notice that the verse after, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And those two come together. Why? Because when we learn to be led by the Spirit, we learn by the Spirit who gives us the will and the power to do it. We learn to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. It is Him doing it. All we have to do is be sensitive to the Spirit to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen to Him and tell and do what he says. It's just as easy as that. No pressure. No condemnation. No, you have to do that. No, you just walk with the Holy Spirit. You just worship Jesus. You just keep your eyes on him. Just your priority is to develop intimacy with Jesus. To get to know him. And the more you know him, the more you realize that's who I am. And the more you realize that's who I am, the more all of a sudden you rise above the flesh. By the Spirit. Listen to that verse. You remember in Romans chapter 6. He said, consider. No, Romans chapter 7 verse 6. Thank you, Lord. But I'm going to read it in the Amplify because it illustrates it so well. See, but now, 
we are discharged or delivered from the law and have terminated all intercourse with it, with the law. Having died to what was once restrained and held us captive. But so now we serve not under obedience to the old code of written regulations, but under obedience of the prompting of the Holy Spirit in newness of life. It's just as easy as that. But this morning, I am aware that there are some of you, you are held captive by things. And it's like I said, it's tormenting because, you know, I was in Canada last year. And I was ministering by the gifts of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit pointing out a young man. He was, I remember, dressed in in red. And I saw him. He was sitting on the very back. And I saw him, and I just knew in my heart that that young man was bound with pornography. And so I just gave that word. I said, there is a young man here. You hate you are bound by pornography, but you hate it. You pleaded, you cry, you, you beg God, you want to be so free, but you have a hard time getting free of it. This morning is your moment to be free. And then I made a statement. I said, what you keep in the dark, in the secret place, will always have power over you. But what you bring to the light and you expose will lose all of its power and that young man did something I didn't call him I didn't point him out but I just left it because God leaves us free he doesn't push he doesn't force and I said if you want to be free once and for all from that thing I want to invite you to come and that young man did a very courageous thing especially that he was the youth pastor he stood up And he came forward. But what happened in the church was even a more beautiful thing. All the leadership, instead of looking at him with a pointing with a finger, they all surrounded him and all loved on him, embraced him, cried with him. I saw the men of the church surrounding him and loving on him. And I just went back there just a week or two ago, and that young man is totally free. He not only free, may stay totally free. Walking in his freedom. Why? Because he chose. He chose to do a courageous thing, to bring something to the light. You know, it reminds me, years and years ago, you know, sin is deceiving. I remember years and years ago, I I was part of a group of a ministry evangelistic group, and we would travel all around. And we went to Las Vegas before it was all, you know, transformed. And I remember we arrived that night into the main strip. Oh, it was beautiful. There were neon lights. We looked and we were like, wow, this is really beautiful. But then the next day, the next morning, we happened to drive on that same, and we looked. It was ugly. It was old. It was falling apart. It was decaying. You could see, 
Why? That's the same thing. When you keep something in darkness, it looks, whoa. But when you expose it to the lie, it loses its power over your heart. And it helps you to see with the eyes of light that that thing is ugly and, has, and, and does nothing for you. Instead, that's why God says sin, his desire is to, for you to destroy you. So I'm going to ask to do something this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. It is a morning. It's a day of freedom. Of true freedom. It's a day. Because where there is freedom in your life, there will be power. And where there is power, there is glory. And where there is glory, there is destiny. Glory to God. Everybody, you have your eyes closed. Nothing weird is just it helps you to forget who is around you. And reflect, listen to your own heart. That's what I want you to look into your heart. And I know some of you, your heart is beating hard. Because you know it's your moment. But there is the tag of the enemy trying to keep you in that place. If you hear this morning and you said, Audrey, you talked about me. I want to be totally free. I want, I love God with all of my heart. But there is that one thing that is keeping me, keeping me from really being God called me to be. If it's you, I want to see your hand. I see that one hand. Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. I'm telling you, that is so awesome for your honesty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you, your breathing is getting hard of you. are like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? You know, people are going to be so excited for you. Because we all here have things that we got set free from. And we all had at one point or another had to face it and said, I got to let expose it. I've got to be free. You know, I remember... One time, I was being tempted with something, and I saw a desire in my heart. And I'm like, that's not me. What is that? And I, I was feeling the strength of that temptation growing and trying to fight with it with, by myself. And I, and I felt like I couldn't. And then that's when the Holy Ghost it says, what you expose will lose its power. And I called my best friend, and I shared with her. And I, because I knew she wouldn't judge me, I knew she wouldn't, so I shared with her, but once I shared it with somebody and brought it to the lie, all of a sudden, here it was, Las Vegas by day. I'm like, why was I even being tempted with that? Why was it even an issue? It looked ugly, unappealing all of a sudden because it was brought to the light. If this is your case, I'm going to ask you to do just raise your hand if it's your case. I want to see that again. Yes, I see those hands. Yes. Yes. I'm going to ask you to do something else. Come to the front because I want to pray for you. Take one step of courageous step. Stand up and come to the front. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at life-church.org. 